Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Up next, Busy Phillips. She's being interviewed by my friend and co-host Jordan Morris. Busy's first big break came when she was just 20 years old. She starred alongside Seth Rogen, Linda Cardellini, and Jason Segel in the acclaimed and influential TV show Freaks and Geeks. She followed that up with an appearance on Dawson's Creek and has since amassed well over 60 credits on the big and small screens, including, by the way, an appearance on one of my favorite shows, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, created by Tina Fey and Robert Carlock. I control her trust. I know exactly what she wants, more money for one of her stupid business ideas. It's a white noise app, but instead of doing that quiet sound for hours, it makes one loud sound all at once. Time saver. The largest human organ is the skin, right? Not anymore. I need $10,000. I found the perfect space for my year-round Halloween store. It's a year-round Christmas store that went out of business for some reason. These days, Busy is starring in Girls 5 Eva, Girls 5 Eva, that's spelled, by the way, with a number 5 and an Eva, E-V-A. Girls 5 Eva is about a fictional girl group, like kind of Spice Girls or Sync era thing. They had a handful of smash hits right at the turn of the millennium. Their videos were on MTV, their logo was on kids' backpacks, and then, like a lot of acts from that era, they just sort of faded away. But when our story starts on the TV show Girls 5 Eva, things are changing. Seemingly out of nowhere, a hot young rapper samples one of Girls 5 Eva's hits. Suddenly, the band is getting buzz again. The remaining members have a shot at revitalizing their careers. The only thing is, it's been almost two decades. Our guest, Busy Phillips, plays Summer. Summer is the self-proclaimed hot one of the group, Since the band broke up, she hasn't done much in the entertainment world, aside from bombing a handful of Real Housewives auditions. Anyway, this scene we're about to hear from Girls 5 Eva happens early on in the show. The band has just gotten a life-changing offer. Jimmy Fallon has invited them to do a reunion performance live on The Tonight Show. They leave their manager's office in a daze. It's a huge gig. But are they up for it after all these years? Summer, who's portrayed by our guest Busy Phillips, swoops in with some words of inspiration at the end of the clip. I haven't even performed since our follow-up album tanked. Why did it have to come out on September 10th? You guys, you never forget how to perform. It's like riding a bike into the river to get your husband to pay attention to you. Uh, Busy Phillips, uh, welcome to Bullseye. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Uh, so your new television show, Girls 5 Eva, which I think I'll I'll just go ahead and do a little editorial here and say is the hardest I've laughed at TV in five years, ten years. It's so funny. Wow, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's an insanely funny show. Um, so it sends up the pop music of the kind of late 90s and early 2000s. Is this the stuff you were into in that era? Were you into, you know, Spice Girls and 
98 degrees and all the kind of TRL stuff that the show No, I was I was way too cool for that. I was I was really I was variant indie rock. Oh, and okay, okay. yeah, and uh I went to Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles and they had an amazing radio station KXLU that still is around and so, you know, like built to spill and modest mouse and like I mean just I was Yeah, I was really into that vibe. I will say this, though. I sort of like jokingly, ironically liked the Spice Girls. (laughs) And in retrospect, I just liked them. I was never a pop music fan in, in those years. I just was like too cool for school in that respect. Also, I was like on Freaks and Geeks. I was just on a whole other journey in the late 90s, early 2000s. But I will say that I related very deeply to Summer's experience, the character from the show, and all of the ladies' experiences as young women in entertainment in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, Yeah, I want to circle back and talk about uh, Girls 5 Ever a little bit more later. But like you mentioned, I think this show is kind of parodying a world that you know, it was kind of the time where you were starting out being in showbiz. Sure. Um, and I wanted to mention uh, Freaks and Geeks, the show you just talked about. I was seeing a commercial for a a streaming platform that is not the one that Girls 5 Eva appears on, so I will not mention the name of the streaming platform. Okay. But they were using Freaks and Geeks to promote it. They were saying, like, we have Freaks and Geeks. They weren't talking about any of their new shows. They were talking oh. about this classic show. Um Yeah. It was a cult hit. It only lasted one season. Uh, why do you think it's stuck around in the same in the way that it has? Oh, I mean, because it's a great show. <laughs> like <laughs> it's actually just really good, and it does feel timeless. Uh, I think because it was always a period piece, and it's set in the very very early eighties, late seventies, early eighties you know, you can watch it and not really know when it was made. In fact, like that is one of the weirdest things about having this career that I've had that has spanned decades now from the time when I was a teenager to now I'm a woman who just turned 42. Happy belated birthday, by the Thank way. Thank you. I was waiting for, I was, th- that was the pause in <laughs> which I was waiting for the happy birthday. But yes, from um, NPR and me, happy belated <laughs> birthday. But, you know, with all the streaming services and all the content that's available, a lot of times people in the world will ask me about a particular show and then have no frame of reference for how old that show is. So when did you do that? Was that like five, 10 years? That was 20 years ago. That show was 20 years ago. And (laughs) new generations keep finding it. I was with friends yesterday and uh, my friend Sarah was like, you know, I think it's time for the boys to watch Freaks and Geeks. I think they're at the age now. I'm so excited. So that is very cool. But, you know, during the pandemic, I got a lot of people reaching out to me about Dawson's Creek. Like a lot of people were rewatching that from the beginning. And it is awesome that these things are available. I mean, I'm so proud of Freaks and Geeks and that I was able to be a part of it. And it was the first thing that I did professionally in Hollywood. I wasn't talking to you, Brain. Don't you have a test to take or something? Hey, would you be cool, please? Did I do something to you? You're here. Kim. 
Well, I have as much right to be here as you do. Hey, Brain. Shoplift in your daddy's store. You're just some rich kid who's trying to piss off her parents. You think you can hang with these guys? You think that's going to make you cool? Like the fact that it's gotten its due now, because at the time it was like we felt like, you know, the the forgotten stepchildren of the network <laughs> and like <laughs> no one cared about us at all. Right. Um, and of course, in retrospect, everybody is like, I was the executive fighting for you. I'm like, OK, were you? Uh-huh. Sounds good. <laughs> Do you think that if that show had come along, you know, in the age of streaming would be on season 10 of it? Yeah, I think that that's a possibility, but I think that there are always great shows that don't find audiences until later, you know? I think that that's just a thing that happens. Like, no matter when its time is, some things are just ahead of its time, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, it's possible, but it's also possible that it could, you know, struggle and be, like, you know, one of the many shows that are always hoping against all odds not to get canceled in the first year. It's tough business is what I'm saying. Can you remember a moment where you realized that, and this, and maybe this is something that happened pre freaks and geeks, but do you remember a moment where you thought, okay, acting is now my job. I am now an actor and I'm doing it. I remember very clearly being in my high school production of the house of blue leaves, <laughs> the okay. John Guare play. Yeah. And we had like a cool theater teacher who was always challenging us with. Yeah. That's a cool kinda, choice. That's not, yeah. you know, that's not bye bye birdie. <laughs> that's <laughs> no, to be fair, they also did do guys and dolls, but I remember doing that play and afterwards feeling like, Oh, there's no stopping me. Like, I am yeah. an actor. Like, I'm mm -hmm. going to do this thing. And my first professional job was, like, an industrial trade show job working as a live Barbie doll for Mattel at their <laughs> toy fairs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. listen, but here's the thing. I was 17 years old. I worked at California Pizza Kitchen. I got hired cast. I was cast to be... Right. Uh, an iconic character. Yeah. Well... Mm, sort of. Honestly, what I was actually cast to be was they were, Mattel was making a clueless doll line from not the movie, the TV show, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> sure. And so I was hired to be the life-size version of Cher from oh, Clueless okay. at the toy fairs. But I do remember you know, I got flown to New York for two weeks to do the toy fair. They had the pre-toy fair in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I grew up, where I went to high school. And I do remember just like being in New York City, walking to the trade show job, like getting my coffee, going into the dressing room, all the other actors getting ready, putting on makeup and everything and feeling like, well, I am really doing it now. I've made it. I have made it. Are you, um, <laughs> were you, before you got this job, were you like a huge Barbie fan? Were you like, oh my God, I'm Barbie or? No, I mean, I loved Barbies, loved Barbies, uh, -huh. uh played with them far too long, like hit it from my friends, but I loved Barbies. I had a million of them, but I loved Clueless, loved. Right. I mean, this is my era and yeah. I, movie. an iconic film. And in fact, I was like when I heard, and I probably heard about it like on 
the radio that they were going to make. You remember like when you would listen to the radio? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. (laughs) No, but you know. I was stoked to see Clueless because the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones were in it. If we're, if that's. Oh, yes. As long as we're we're dating ourselves. Sure. I think we're similar ages. But um, so I had heard somehow like the entertainment report on the local, you know, radio station that they were going to make a TV show of Clueless. And I was convinced that, that I needed to be cast. I was 16 in high school in Arizona, but I was just like, this is my moment. I'm going to do it. And that was like, the impetus for me forcing my mother to try to find some sort of local agent Mm -hmm. to represent me in Scottsdale, which did not lead to me getting an audition for the Clueless TV series, but did lead to me getting hired. The the Barbie version of the the character from the TV series. Yeah. So in a way it all really worked out. Were you like, a live version of the doll or did you have to like stand still no no no. oh oh my gosh first of all these straight it was wild i was given like 15 pages of dialogue of monologue really that had to be memorized in character but also included like sales projections and facts and figures about the projected sale of the toy and the markets and all this stuff so it was actually weirdly a difficult sort of undertaking depending on the toy buyers that came through there was like a short version and a long version sometimes they would stop you if you got stopped that was terrible but I had like sort of a reputation (laughs) that people wanted to see me do it because I could do such a good impression of Alicia Silverstone even though technically the doll was Rachel Blanchard but guys we don't need to you know it's complicated semantics so people did like to hear my whole spiel, but it was fun. I, I really enjoyed it. But I also, I have a very, um, I have a talent for memorization. I'm one of those people. It's interesting. You were, you know, you mentioned hearing the radio ad and then you were just convinced that I need to be on this show. You know, I think you're so funny at playing characters who have like kind of a comical amount of confidence Mm -hmm. Um, are you, do you think you're a naturally confident person? I think I was. Yeah. I think I had an insane amount of confidence in my abilities. I lacked confidence in other areas of my life, (laughs) but as far as me perceiving myself to be the best at what I could do, that I belonged on television that I that of course this is going to happen for me I just had like a lot of false confidence do you feel like you draw on some of that early teen confidence when you are playing these types of characters yeah I mean I think that for me especially with Summer and Girls 5 Eva although I think Lori from Cougar Town had that as well I am fascinated, always have been, and I seem to draw them to me, fascinated by people who are incredibly confident that they're correct, even when it's totally insane. Right. And I've always enjoyed talking to those people and just soaking in whatever that thing is that drives them. Because I do think that in life, I'm very much a person who's 
not afraid to ask a question and is like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Explain that to, you know, explain that right. to me. I'm well aware that I don't know everything about everything, yeah. but I love it when people do. It's fascinating. So I think that that is definitely like a piece of a lot of these women that I've gotten to play. But I also always think about when people have that trait, what is the underlying thing? And most of the time, it's like a deep insecurity and sadness, you know? Yeah. I guess what I've always enjoyed about these characters that I've gotten to play is that like, I think on the page, you could read it one way. But I think as women, you know, a lot of expectations are put upon us at first meeting. And I think that how you subvert that or, you know, how you round it out with what is really going on, that to me is like the trick and always super interesting. Yeah, it, it is interesting thinking about that when watching Girls 5 Eva. It's such a funny show, but there is like a, a darkness there about like the way in which show business messes up young people. What is it like doing such a joke-dense show with that kind of little bit of darkness under the surface? Well, I mean, you have to find the moments for that to live in, you know, yeah. because, yeah, the jokes are just nonstop. Tina Fey is truly, to me, a magician. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. always like, how am I watching a show I was on that I was there and I'm now getting new jokes. Like, how am I now understanding other people's, you know what I mean? Like, right. They're just so packed in there. My dad was like, I had to turn on the subtitles so that I could catch all the jokes. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. There's like jokes on boxes. There's like there's, funny, yes. there's like funny labels in the show. Yes. But also like the, the lengths we would go to for some of the, the visual gags in the flashbacks when those are over in one and a half seconds, you know, like it's, it's one and a half seconds of screen time, but we took half a day to get it. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? You know, I specifically want to mention one cause you're right. Cause it does have that kind of cutaway humor and there is a five or six second bit where you and Andrew Reynolds are married in the show and, and it flashes back to like an exercise video that you made as we a did couple. A, we did, yeah, sweating with your sweetheart. Right. We, we did like an exercise, an exercise video together. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. But that would never happen with me and Kev. We're Summer and Kev. Summer and Kev's sweetheart sweats. Sweating with your sweetheart is better. We're boy band and girl groups, royal couple. Yeah, what is it like making those, those like period accurate clips? And also I, I, I am so curious what it's like doing a show that requires so much physicality. There's so much like dancing and mugging in insane outfits. Is it pure fun or is it kind of exhausting? Well, it's both, but also we had the added benefit of doing this all during the height of the COVID pandemic. Oh, yes, I remember. Pre-vaccines right. in the fall of 2020 and then like winter 21. Oh, wow. 
So it was hard, <laughs> to yeah. feel, you know, because also I likened. Do you have children? I don't. Okay. Well, I have so a cat kind of just out of frame that you can't really see. But um, um, we're more roommates. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your cat is not, doesn't do the thing to you that I think COVID did to most people. And what I likened it to was new mom baby brain. Yeah. Because when you have a baby, people talk about like mom brain, mom baby brain or whatever. When you have a baby for the first time, like a whole chunk of your brain that you don't even aren't aware of, your subconscious is fueled by wanting to keep your baby alive. And during COVID, I think we like sort of all collectively experienced that, which was that we're like a big chunk of our brain. All of us was for most of us. I mean, some people I think don't care, but that's not the people listening to this. So let's be real. I've looked at the charts. Um, You know, (laughs) but there's a, you know, chunk of your brain that is preoccupied with like, how do I not get sick? How do I not die? How do I not infect the people that I love? And so then add on top of that, we go to work and we're the ones that have to take our masks off. And then there is dancing and singing, which is like, a lot of breathing heavy. I mean, right. It's like, right. so I do have to say, like, there was always for me a level of stress in those months because, and the protocols were amazing that Universal, who was the company producing Girls 5 had put in place. And I always felt safe enough because of that, but still. Sure. And so then the physicality, like learning the dances, we couldn't really do that together a lot of times because of COVID protocols, or we would have to do it wearing masks, which I don't know if you've tried to do like some pop dance moves <laughs> and combinations whilst wearing a mask. I have not. It's not pleasant. <laughs> and so a lot of times it was really fly by the seat of our pants right. on set, cameras are ready and we're in the back room like the first time we've done that, you know, the four of us have done the dance together, trying to like make sure that we have the moves right. And I think, you know, Renee has an advantage from her Broadway days of picking up (laughs) dance moves. I just think it's true. I just think it's true. And, you know, Sarah's a real perfectionist and also has like, has that part of her, that skill sort of ingrained in, in her. And I just feel like I didn't have that thing in me picking up choreography real fast. So it was hard. It was challenging. But then I always was like, but it's TV. We'll just cut to somebody else. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Even more with Busy Phillips still to come. Stay with us. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Discover. Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. It's amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So, when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash match. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. NPR's Planet Money Summer School is back. This season is all about investing. We've got stories of big bets, bubble spotting, and cute animals, too. 
every Wednesday till Labor Day from NPR's Planet Money. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. We're listening to Jordan Morris's conversation with Busy Phillips, star of the new TV show, Girls 5 Eva. It's so interesting, the cast of this show, because, you know, you have a pop star and you have a Broadway star. And then, you know, you have like improv sketch home run hitter Paula Pell and genius. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody is so funny in this. When when you're acting in a scene with three people who come from such wildly different backgrounds, can you tell that everybody has different training? I mean, I think that the casting of the show really speaks to the vision of Meredith Scardino and Antina because we all just sort of fit into the groove of it so easily and seamlessly. And yeah, no, I mean, not really. I mean, aside from the fact that Sarah Bareilles has like an insane voice and there's a lot of live singing in the show, too. Like, we yeah. sing live and acapella a fair amount. But everybody was just very supportive of one another. And, you know, Sarah would, like, if I was like, oh, God, she would give me my note. <laughs> she would help Paula. You know, Paula right. was always on the on the alto. So she can do that. You know, she would help us with the music stuff. Because, again, not a lot, not a ton of rehearsal, mostly because of COVID. Right. And, you know, I think that also it's interesting when you have people who are put together on a show, that is to say, like, none of us auditioned for this. this. It's kind of funny because you walk into it and you're like, well, what's everybody, what are you going to do? What do you, do you know what you're going to do? Have you talked to them about what you're going to do? Do they tell you what they want you to do? And we were all just given a lot of freedom to bring whatever it was that we wanted to the table. And I think certainly for Renee and myself, like, I feel like we took some big swings <laughs> in moments, you know, <laughs> like, I think I was sort of feeling like, you know what, let's just go for it. I just want to go real hard and just like do a wild, fun thing that is yeah different and yeah I don't know yeah I mean that that is interesting because I like this show a lot but I also like the other shows in the you know Tina Fey averse a lot the you know 30 Rock and Kimmy Schmidt and they're so interesting because they're this kind of midpoint between sitcom and like cartoon you know like mm-hmm. the characters are pretty real but the logic of it is kind of close to a cartoon logic mm-hmm. uh, sometimes and you were, you know, you are great in a supporting role in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So I think you've kind of played in this zone before. Yeah, I, I imagine maybe that kind of little layer of being surreal maybe helps to make some of those big crazy choices. Yeah, I mean, I also though listen. I'm not. I don't, I'm going to say this quietly because I feel like people get mad. I have. <laughs> I'm not passing like a judgment. This is not a judgment. No. I'm just saying I am not a person that watches The Real Housewives. <gasps> I know. Gasp. People get like, I don't know. People get weird about it. They're like, oh, you think you're too good? I'm like, no, I just <laughs> haven't. I just, guys, There's I just haven't watched it. <laughs> However, like entering into this show, since I was playing a woman who, 
you know, had had a bit of fame as a teen, had been trying to hang on to it, married her boy band sweetheart, Kev, and was really trying to be on The Housewives. You know, I did some research. Okay. And one thing that I found is that in the portrayals on television, and of course we know it's like all fake, right? Well, I mean, reality TV is produced and you're, put together. You're, in you're a, breaking some big news here shh, on the show. Guys. Big scoop. You know House Hunters, they bought the house already. Anyway, I do remember. You're breaking a lot of hearts. You're breaking a lot of hearts. I do remember my mind being blown with that one. Anyway, I don't think that it's so far off what I'm doing on the show (laughs) as Summer. You know? And furthermore, when we do those flashbacks with the lyrics that Meredith Scardino and the other writers have written for our past hits and the music that Jeff Richmond has put together, it's not far off from what kinds of things pop stars were saying in the late 90s and early 2000s. It is, I yeah. It, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just was like, remember Katy Perry with like the whipped cream coming out of her b- Like, I feel like, was that, is that, did I make that up? No, no, that that happened. I can it confirm. happened. That happened. I, I just feel like... It is satirical, but I think it's like, it's less of a leap than you might think. It's interesting. Yeah, because it seems like one of the themes of the show is like realizing that the pop culture of your youth was like kind of problematic. Is that something you can relate to? Yeah. And I also think as a woman, and specifically a woman who was trying to break into the entertainment industry in that exact time you know, having the realization that you didn't have your own agency in your story, that you were being told things were empowering to you and that this was your choice and you wanted to do it. And then you look back on it, you're like, oh, wait, I really did not want to pose for Maxim. Hmm. That is messed up. Why did I do that? Oh, right. I get it now. And I think that that's sort of like the reckoning that a lot of women, especially my generation, especially Gen X, have been having over the last several years, you know? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting hearing you talk about this stuff, because it is like, you do talk differently in interviews than a lot of actors do. And not only are pretty honest in interviews, but also you, you know, you wrote this memoir and you have had podcasts that are very honest that Mm -hmm. uh, you know it does does that kind of rawness come naturally to you or is that something you had to you had to work on I think that I spent a long time in the early part of my career trying to fit into a thing that wasn't for me you know I think that I took the bait of Hollywood Hmm. and the thing that they sell particularly young women, which is like, if you can only just be and then fill in the blank. So, I mean, thin enough, pretty enough, you know, quiet enough, um, slutty enough, like sexy enough. I mean, I had literal phone conversations where my manager would say, you know, the studio, they just don't think you're enough. That's a big word that in the late 90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s, 
I can't remember the last time I heard it, but people would say a lot on the executive side, the studio side. And now I'm married to Mark Silverstein, who's a writer and a director. And he and his partner had like big TV deals back in the 90s and early 2000s and did tons of shows. And he was like, oh, yeah, that was the word. That was what they would say. They would say that. And every time you like stiffen, but you never say anything like, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I what are you supposed to say to that? Um, Jeez, you can yeah. bleep it out. I know. But like the <laughs> wow. amount of phone calls where I was like, okay, so I have to go buy something new to wear to go back again to show them that I'm like sexy enough or whatever. So I was trying my hardest to work and I was trying my hardest to continue to work because I definitely understood the message that I was expendable, especially because I was a woman and a young woman. And so if I wanted to continue doing this thing that I loved, I needed to like shut up and show up and try to fit myself into all of the things that I was being told I wasn't yet. (laughs) And then the freedom of getting older. And I had had a great job. I was on Cougar Town and Bill Lawrence is married to an actress, Krista Miller, and was always just very, I don't care what you wear, what you want to wear. I don't care. I'll like, you know, feel comfortable. You look great. It doesn't matter to me. Like none of that part mattered. And I felt really comfortable in that job. And then post that job, going back as a woman in their 30s who now has had two kids, I was like, what's happening? Also, who am I? (laughs) What am I? Because I've spent so many years trying to like play this game that, by the way, didn't service me. Doing Maxim didn't fulfill the promise of the head of casting at the studio that was like, you got to do Maxim if you want a film career. Guess what? I don't have a film career. And I did Maxim. And I still like will get presented with like pictures of me spread eagle, like when I'm walking into a, the airport with my kids. <laughs> my older kid is like, why? It's so gross. I'm like, I know, dude. I know. I get it. But so I think that the refinding who I am and wanting to move through the world in a more honest place just came from being sick of trying my hardest to do all of the things I had been told I needed to do. And still, it didn't work. And by the way, I worked a ton, <laughs> like in spite hmm. of all of it. You know what I mean? Like, I still feel like the jobs that were my jobs found me, the right people found me, and then the rest of them were just full of it. We'll wrap up with Busy Phillips soon. After a quick break, which Spice Girl is she? Have you ever wondered that? We found an official, completely scientific quiz to give us the answer. Stay tuned. We're doing very important journalism. It's Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA-certified organic meal kit offering plans for every lifestyle, including paleo, plant-powered, keto, and balanced living. With their wide variety of high-quality, clean ingredients, seasonally sourced for peak freshness, you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. 
Get $100 off your first month, including free shipping, at greenchef.com slash bullseye100 and use code bullseye100. Hey, thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. We took the identifying marks off this podcast. Just tell me your impressions. It's really sexy. My first thought is like, Radiolab? Definitely something popular. Yeah, really popular. A hit show. But funny, too. Like, does Tina Fey have a podcast? Or the Marx Brothers? Yeah, is this podcast Radiolab, but hosted by the Marx Brothers? And sexy, like Sade. It reminds me of Sade. Exactly. And they're all riding in a BMW. Close, but not quite. Take a look behind these panels. (gasps) And then watch this rocket blast off into space. Whoa. And there's the pies we made you. (gasps) Now, let's show you the podcast. Wow, it was Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? Hold on. Oh, oh my goodness. That was 514 J.D. Power & Associates Podcasting Awards. That was really scary. But compelling. I guess I should definitely subscribe to Jordan Jesse Go. Um, yeah. I'd say so. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our guest is Busy Phillips. She's an actor who starred in Freaks and Geeks, Cougar Town, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and many, many more. These days, she's starring alongside Renee Elise Goldsberry, Sarah Bareilles, and Paula Pell in Girls 5 Eva. It's a sitcom about a turn-of-the-millennium girl group and their attempts to reunite almost 20 years later. You can stream the whole first season of Girls 5 Eva right now on Peacock. Busy is being interviewed by Jordan Morris, my old pal and co-host on the show Jordan Jesse Go. Anyway, Busy Phillips, let's get back into it. Busy, we're, we're kind of coming up on the end of our time, and I'm kind of thinking about the best ways to use the kind of balance of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, when you were listening to your Modest Mouses and your Built to Spills, you were, you know, secretly sneaking a little Spice Girls on the side. It's true. It's true. Also, uh, I should mention, you and your uh, castmates performed... Wannabe on the uh, on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show program. Um, I know that was exciting for me. Busy. How would you feel about taking BuzzFeed.com's "Which Spice Girl Are You?" quiz? Yeah, but I'm going to say right now, I think I'm ginger. Okay. You, okay. I'm let's pre, see. I'm let's pre-determining. See. <laughs> well, if you're not, I, think, I think I'm ginger. If you're not ginger, then BuzzFeed is wrong. Okay. And, okay. Uh, well, yeah, let's start. Let's see. Let's, okay. uh, let's see how you do. Okay. The first question. Choose a word. Lufa, cowabunga, dingus, blip, poinsettia, or booby? Well, I would say poinsettia. We'll say poinsettia. Okay. Choose a scent. Dryer sheets, lavender, freshly baked lavender. cookies. Okay, lavender. We're not even going to read the other ones. Mm-mm. Pick a spice. Cumin, paprika, cinnamon, ginger, catnip, or old. Oh, um, cinnamon. Cinnamon. 
Choose a city in Europe. Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin, Madrid, Prague, or Rome? Berlin. Berlin. All right. Choose a hairstyle. Ponytail, braid, bun, shaved, bob, however I woke up. I mean, I'm going to say bun or let's ponytail. See. Well, bun. Oh, oh, let's say bun. Let's, let's say We're going with bun. Okay. Choose a Spice Girls song. Uh-huh. Stop. Two uh-huh. become one. Using uh-huh. the numbers instead of the words. Spice up your life. Wannabe. Spice up your life. Spice, Spice up, up your life. life. Good yeah. choice. <sighs> Busy. I don't know. You oh, know, no. BuzzFeed's math is off. <laughs> or what? Who am I? You're scary, Spice. Well, you are one bad <laughs> Not only do you have the best hair on this side of the 90s, but also you sing one of the most important lyrics ever to be sung in the history of music. Zig a zig ah. Zig a zig ah. You know what? That also, I get that. I get scary spice. <laughs> I do get it. I get it. I just liked the fashion of ginger spice. I liked that sequined Union Jack dress, mini dress that she wore with the giant platform shoes. Yeah. That was, that's what I was going for. I just want the wardrobe. I want that. <laughs> do you, how, do, the fashion in Girls 5 Eva is kind of insane. It's amazing. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about your various costume pieces? I mean, I love it so much. Tina Nigro is a genius. She's our costume designer, wardrobe guru. She really was in, so incredibly thoughtful about every outfit that was put together in the flashbacks, even if we knew it was just going to be a second and a half. You know what I mean? She just was like, it had to be exactly right. I love, I mean, I think the camo for me is like a real highlight, the camo outfits. But all of our looks were just so good. And Summer's style evolution was also amazing as uh, as adult Summer present day summer i should say busy phillips uh thanks for talking to us girls five ever is so funny uh i hope people watch it if they haven't already and uh yeah thanks for hanging out with us on bullseye thanks for having me busy phillips is his show girls five ever is streaming now on peacock and checking the news it just got picked up for a second season so look for that later on it is a super funny show I definitely recommend it. Shout out to past Bullseye guest Paula Pell, who is, man, she's so funny. Anyway, thank you also to our correspondent Jordan Morris for conducting this interview. When he's not conducting interviews, Jordan is busy writing hilarious graphic novels, specifically the hilarious graphic novel Bubble, which is based on his hit podcast. Bubble is in stores now, very funny. Go to your local bookstore or comic store. Get yourself a copy of Bubble by Jordan Morris. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, and from our offices in the beautiful Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles overlooking MacArthur Park, uh, where recently... In our neighborhood, there have been a bunch of neo-fascists coming out on the weekends to act like jerks. And uh, I just want to say that in our neighborhood, in our city, and at our company, uh, we think that trans rights are human rights, and we stand with and care about our transgender colleagues and family members 
and friends and neighbors. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our senior producer is Kevin Ferguson. Our producer is Jesus Ambrosio. Production fellows at Maximum Fun are Richard Roby and Valerie Moffat. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks to them and to their label Memphis Industries for sharing it. They've got a brand new record in stores. That is great. You can also keep up with Bullseye on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post our interviews in all of those places, and I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. NPR.